Hi, you're welcome to Heroes Convos, and my name is Ridwan. You're welcome to this new episode. And if you haven't watched the previous episodes, please try go back on YouTube channel or my YouTube channel and just watch the previous episodes. They will bless you. There are actually some old ones that I did in the past as well. They might bless you. I don't know. So, uh, yeah, I did it hoping that it would bless someone. So I'm hoping that it will bless you if you listen to that. You could watch on YouTube or you could listen on the podcast channel. So he was conversed as well on podcast channel. Uh, that's through Spotify, iTunes, whatever platform you're listening from. I think it's going to bless you. And if you have any topics you want me to talk about, please, you could send it as an email or send us a message or comment on the YouTube uh, post or podcast, whichever one. I don't know how it works sometimes. But yeah, you could uh, comment or send me the email and I would be uh, getting back or doing a video on that as the need may be. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not the perfect. Um, I don't say I know it all, but I try my best as possible to give explanations uh, with regards to scriptures uh, in our Christian world. So yeah, if you have questions, you can always send them in. Today, I will be addressing the concept of the greatest commandment or the topic greatest commandment. Um, it, it's important because what I was doing the recording on the afterlife, we looked at Matthew chapter 22. If you haven't watched the video on the afterlife, just look at it. If there are questions you have, you can also ask me as well. So yeah, uh, looking at Matthew chapter 22, um, I talked about the resurrection and how the Sadducees were trying to get Jesus in some form of web, something, and they asked him a question about the afterlife. And Jesus gave a very wise or smart response. But follow up to that, what was interesting was the Pharisees also had their plans. The Pharisees also wanted to get Jesus in some form of mix as well. You know, the point is, this guy is coming up. He's saying things. He's threatening our establishment. He's healing people. He's doing miracles. This guy is doing things we haven't seen done. How do we get him? How do we get him out of the picture? That's the whole point. And sometimes I wouldn't blame them because he's out there poking things into their belief system, their traditions. He's, he's calling them out on a lot of crappy things they would do. And it's not sitting well with this guy. So imagine people then going back to their corners and say, we have to find something to nail this guy called Jesus in. And I think some of you will be able to relate with that even in today where people just gang up on you for no reason just because you threaten what they live for. And your existence is something they don't want to happen. So they try to look for something to hold against you to get, a, get you out of the picture. So if you're that person, just know Jesus also went through the same. So you have somebody to, you know, the Bible says, look to him. Um, for we do not have a high priest who's not talked about the feelings of our infirmities, but it was tempted in all point as we are, yet without sin. So now we can come boldly, Hebrews chapter 4. We can come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy in times of need. So... If you're going through the same thing, just know Jesus went through the same, and you can always look to him for strength to get through this. Now, back to the context. So in Matthew chapter 22, the, the Pharisees also wanted to get something uh, against Jesus. So the Bible says in verse 34, when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. 35. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. That's the whole point. And then he said, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Now, this is a trick question. Because if he says one is important, he's automatically saying the other is not important. And that's going to be a problem. 
because the entire commandment is held to be very important and is what they live by. It's the code that they live by. And if Jesus is coming out to say one is more important than the other, then there's going to be problems. He's violating. He's also a form of blasphemy. Uh, and so they would want to hold him uh, to that to that effect or, you know, arrest him or say, this is what this guy's promoting. He's promoting uh, one law against the other. He's neglecting the other ones. He's violating the laws of Moses. Let's take him down. He's, he's a bad teacher, blah, 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 blah. I'm just, this is me adding my own extra context. But now they ask this question, which is the most important commandment? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is equally important to it. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Jesus makes a very strong assertion here, putting the entirety of the law and summarizing it into two commandments. Love the Lord your, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. A typical Pharisee understands or understands what this means. And then the second is love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus has summarized the entirety of the commandments, which is in Exodus chapter 20. He says, all the commandments, all the prophets are based on this too. Your relationship with God and your relationship with other people. This is classic, even for Christians. Jesus says the most important thing, or the entirety of the law, keeping the commandments and all that, they are summarized in this too. Having a devotion to God and having a commitment to your neighbor. This too summarize the entirety. And which is just the truth. And the Pharisees would not find a problem with this because what he's saying is an actual truth. What does it mean to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul? It's not an emotional thing or emotional response where you say, oh, I love God, and then you're just crying. And every time the name God comes up, your body moves. Yeah, that's emotionally responding, but in actual sense, what it means to love God is to obey his commandments. That's the whole point of loving God, obeying his commandments, because love is an active word in this sense. Jesus later will talk about it in the book of John chapter 14, which we will get to eventually later on. John chapter 14 and verse 15. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. John 14, if you have your Bible, you can turn out. I'd like you to turn your Bibles if you have them. It would be nice for you to see them so you know we're not saying these things out of our heads, but actually looking at them in a scriptural sense. He says, if you love me, obey my commandments. This is Jesus, who's God. Even in verse um, 23, if you go downwards, it's going to say the same. Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. My father will love them and we will come to make our home with each of them. So the thing here is this, loving God is equated with keeping his commandments. It's not necessarily an emotional response. It's not, oh, me singing as I love the Lord, I do this. No. Loving him has a lot to do with keeping his command. And the Pharisees understood that. Even in the book of Psalms, it says, Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I may not what? Sin against you. Oh, how I love thy law. They are my meditations day and night. You know, in Joshua 1, 8, when he says, If you observe uh, to do his commandment, all that he has commanded you this day, then he will give you good success. Now, the whole thing there is loving God there has to do with following him, obeying him. Now, Doing this first, which is the first and the greatest commandment, 
is going to flow into the next one, which then means love your neighbor and yourself. As yourself, rather. <laughs> love your neighbor as yourself. So the whole point is, if I'm loving God, which is, in quote, by keeping his commandment, obeying his word, keeping them in my heart, and striving as a person to follow whatever he has commanded, it will definitely lead me to a point of loving my neighbor. And in that same vein, loving my neighbor has nothing to do with just saying emotional words of I love you or you, when you see them, you hug them. These are just emotional response. In the sense of loving your neighbor, it is also active. There are actions that you will do that shows that you love your neighbor. Now, let's, let's look at Exodus 20 together. Let's look at Exodus 20 together and we can see what Jesus is referring to there. So if you go to the book of Exodus chapter 20, when... Now, this, the backdrop of the commandment is God had heard the cry of the people of Israel and he had led them out of Egypt, out of slavery. By the time they crossed the Red Sea, they had, I mean, they sang, they had this song, they were happy, God had saved them, he had taught the bitter waters uh, to sweet waters for them. A lot has happened. And then in, verse, in chapter 19, he then espouses them, just like a bridegroom is, you know, proposing to a bride. He goes, I want you to be my people and I want to be your God. So if I'm to be your God, will you keep my commandments? And the people of Israel said, yes, we will. He lays out the terms. He makes a proposal. They accept. And when they accept, in chapter 20, he then goes and starts giving the full details of these terms and conditions. So in Exodus 20, verse 2, he says, I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt and placed in the place of your slavery. Verse 3 you must not have any other God but me. This is the commandment. You must not take yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them to worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your, who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. He goes on. And then if you go to verse 7, he goes, you must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. Verse 8, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. The first four commandments have to do with devotion to God, which is literally what Jesus just summarized in Matthew 22, verse 35. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Devotion to God, keeping his commandments. That's the first four of the commandment. It has to do with your relationship with him, what you do for him, how you obey his commandment, how you're devoted to him with your heart and with your mind, with your soul, with everything that you've got devoted to him. And now, the next part of the commandment, if you scroll down, the next part from verse 12, that's the six, the rest of the six, have to do with your neighbors. Verse 12, honor your father and mother, then you will live a long, full life in the land of the Lord your God, in the land the Lord your God has given you. You must not murder you must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely against your neighbor. You must not covet your neighbor's house. You must not covet your neighbor's wife, male or female servant, ox or donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. The rest of the six has to do with people. The first is to God, and then the next is how do you treat other people? So love there, in essence, is an active word, which is not used in the sense of, oh, I'm just emotionally in love with this person. No. There are actions that follow it. It's just like a dude in a relationship, and then you go, oh, I love you, baby girl, I love you, baby girl, but you ain't doing nothing. 
she's not seeing it in action. She's out of door, man. I mean, she's walking out. If you are that kind of person, because your talk of love is only with mouth, but the actual sense is love is supposed to be, is, has its corresponding actions. It's not standalone. So God says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Jesus in John chapter 14. And then in Exodus 20, he goes, you must not serve any other God. You must be devoted to me. Relationship with God. First four. And the last six, how do you treat other people? If you love God, you will not murder someone else. If you love your neighbor, rather, you would honor your father, you will honor your mother. If you love your neighbor, you will not steal from them. If you love your neighbor, you will not testify falsely against them. You will not covet any of their property. You will not try to sit down and see, how can I take this person's property that belongs to them and have it as mine? Love has its corresponding actions. As a matter of fact, without its corresponding actions, we can't say there is no love. Because actions are what prove, or are what prove rather, what love is. And that's why Jesus is in John 14, if you love me, you would obey my commandment. All who love me will do what I say. That's how I know that he loved me. The proof of love is in the obedience. So when Jesus is asked this question, what is the greatest commandment? He's responding truthfully. This is the basis of the entirety, entirety of the laws and all the prophets, is that you will love God and have devotion to him and by keeping his commandment. And if you're truly keeping his commandment, it will lead you to treating other people right. By the time Jesus is about to leave in uh, John chapter 13, 34 to 35. This is by this I men know that you are my uh, disciples. If you have love for one another. Classic. Actually, he actually had said, um, this is a new commandment I'm giving to you. Love your neighbor, uh, love yourself uh, like others. Let me read that for you here first. John 13, verse 34. He says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for each other one, one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. It's the actions. And honestly, this sums up our entire Christian walk as people. Our devotion to God should and would lead us to dealing with people or dealing with our neighbors with respect. And Jesus keeps emphasizing this. Even if you read the entire book of Matthew chapter 5, you see this echoed in his teachings there. Towards the end, in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 45, it says, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. That's what he said. Love your, uh, love your enemies from verse 44. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives sunlight to both the evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. Let's not remember that when, G when God was calling the people of Israel out of Egypt, when he called them out and took them into the wilderness, he calls them the church in the wilderness, the ecclesia, the called out ones. When God called the people of Israel out in the wilderness, he sets them as a model. He's saying the whole world is behaving like this, but now I want to use you to show the world how it ought to be done. And that's one of the reasons he kept telling them, don't mix yourself up with these other cultures and their practices and traditions and their idolatry and the things that they do. 
I'm calling you out differently to set you as an example because I'm revealing what my kingdom is like and what it ought to be like here on earth. So he calls the people of Israel out, and then he gives them this code of conduct. Now, honestly, if you read the book of Exodus chapter 20, you see the overarching commandments. And then following in 21, the rest of it, even to Leviticus, you see it's mostly the applications of these commandments, contextualizing it. So when they have questions like, oh, you said love your, uh, do not steal, do not murder. So what constitutes stealing? What constitutes murder? How do I honor my father and my mother? And then you see those contexts have been applied in, later on in the rest of the chapters. But the whole point is God is calling these people out and he's trying to show them this is how things ought to be done. The world is going a certain way, but Yahweh, I have come to show you that this is how it ought to be done. But of course, when we read the Bible, we realize Israel never ever stayed true to this covenant or even to the commandment. They never kept it. And that's why God said in Ezekiel chapter, uh, I think, 36, he says, I will create a new heart in you. I will put my spirit within you. So I will write my laws on your heart. So you don't need to look to statutes to know them. You will have them already imprinted in your heart. And this was a prophecy of the coming of Christ and the Holy Spirit, which is now resident in us. Because it, it didn't change. It's still the same today. God called out the people of Israel. The book of Galatians tells us that the law was only a schoolmaster to keep them in check until the Messiah would come, which is Jesus Christ. And now Jesus has died. He's resurrected. We have his Holy Spirit in us. Jesus then shows us, from Matthew 5, you see that it keeps showing how deep it is. This is what God expects of us as his people, to be separate and be different from how the world does it. Today, we are that called out church, the ecclesia. We have been called out to promote his kingdom, to let his kingdom come here on earth. The problem is a lot of times we are focused so much on, I want to go to heaven, and we forget that Jesus is actually emphasizing that I want my kingdom established here on earth. And so we have a responsibility as Christians to live out the kingdom. And this kingdom has codes has principles that we are prayed by. And Jesus sums them up in two. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with everything that you've got. And what it means is you have your eternal devotion to God. And when you have eternal devotion to God, you want to keep his commandments. And because now we have the Holy Spirit inside of us who's helping us, strengthening us to keep this. We can always have hope. We may not be perfect as people, but we have something to guide us in it. We have that willingness, that striving to be better people. So Jesus says, love God with all your heart. When you obey his commandment and when you keep them, it will spur you to treat other people with respect. You can't claim to love God and be a crappy human being. That's what it's trying to say. You can't claim to be obeying God's commandment and be very crappy in dealing with your neighbor. Inherently, a believer cannot say that I love God because the truth is this. We have this sense of equating love for God by religious practices. We have this set of rules and guidelines that we put for ourselves. So I go to church every day. I pray from Monday to Friday. You see, you could have vigils 10 times a day and still be the crappiest boss on earth. You could be at the highest position in church and 
people outside will never want to deal with you because of how crappy you are or how a mess of a human being you are, if I could say that. Our Christian walk evidently is, is it shows from how we deal with other people and how we obey God's commandments. Because if you go even to Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22, when we, it's a common scripture that everybody knows. We all talk about it when we talk about the fruits of the Spirit. But even if you go there, it says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. A lot of these things have to do with dealing with other people and our devotion to God. Jesus says, I'm giving you a commandment, love one another. By this shall men know that you're my disciples. If you have love for one another. And I think our lives will be, there'll be less pressure. We'll be better off. If we just focused on this, loving God, what does the Lord want me to do? What are his commandments concerning this? I follow him. He says, love your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you. This is how you show that you are children of the Father. Then do the same. Because if you love God, you would obey that. And then he says, the second is like unto it. So if you love your neighbor, you will not cheat on them. If you love your neighbor, you will not look for ways to manipulate them to do your bidding. If you love your neighbor, you will not steal from them. Who's your neighbor? Whoever is next to you. It's not that hard. If you love your parents, you honor them. If you love your wife or your husband, you honor them. You will not cheat on them. You will not violate them. You will respect them and treat them as human beings. If you love your neighbor, you also deal with them. That is your employees. You deal with them with respect and with love. That's the whole point, honestly, is that we fulfill our devotions to God and our devotions to people. We shouldn't be crappy Christians. You can't be saying, oh, I proclaim the gospel everywhere on the mountaintops. But you're the worst person to deal with when it comes to business. Every time you go into business, you cheat your people. You lie. You have things that you're planning behind. And you're looking for ways to take advantage of your neighbor. And Jesus is saying, that's not what it is. That's not what it is supposed to. Remember the parable of when he said somebody was forgiven, a king forgave somebody of a huge debt. And then they had a neighbor who was owing them something lesser, and they wanted to kill them over it. If we are to commit to a Christian walk, our goal is to, is to see that his kingdom comes here on earth. We live for his kingdom. We have been called out as a people. We are a called out church, the ecclesia. We have been given a responsibility to show to the world this is how it ought to be done. Even if the world is doing it in a certain way, God is saying, this is how we do it in this kingdom. You don't have to fall to world pressure. The people of Israel also had pressure going on around them. The early Christians also had it. But Jesus kept saying, this is how the kingdom operates. That's why he would say, you have heard this, but I say this. It may look countercultural. It may look counterintuitive to pray for your enemies, to love your enemies. It may look countercultural to go the extra mile for people. But that's what Jesus will do. And that's what, that's what shows that we are mirroring, or that's what sh shows us to be children of the Father. It's not about how many days you go to church. Don't get me wrong, it's okay to go to church. It's not about how many hours you spend in prayer. You, you can pray for 24 hours a day and still be a very crappy housemate or crappy human being. And people ought to know the God we serve by how we treat them they will know that something is different.
how we respond to them. Even though we live in a world where we are wise as serpents, like Jesus says, but he says, be gentle as doves. So we have a responsibility to God as a people to love him. And how do we love him? It's by obeying his commandments. And when we obey his commandments, we look at it, we see examples like Jesus would say, the Pharisees lord it over their employees. But you shouldn't be like that. He says, if anyone must lead amongst you, let him be a servant. This is how the world does it. But I'm saying this is how the kingdom does it. And we live for the kingdom of our God. So beyond just proclaiming the gospel and preaching the gospel to people and say, I want to preach Jesus, let it be evident in the life you live amongst them. Peter was saying, if they would persecute you, don't let it be for you doing something wrong. Let it be because of your faith in God. So we have this responsibility to love God. And he has empowered us through his Holy Spirit who is already inside of us. So let's live it. And to be honest, it just makes life much better. A lot of people have turned away or have been hurt by actions of believers. Because to them, there's a huge dissonance between what we profess and how we live amongst them or how we treat people around us. We shouldn't be known as people who cheat the most. We shouldn't be known as the most violent people. We shouldn't. We shouldn't be known as people who treat others without respect while condescending in every situation, looking for an opportunity to sound superior or self-righteous. No, because Jesus showed us one of the greatest examples. The Bible says he was the form of God, Philippians chapter 3, but he counted it not robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of human, divinity taking form of humanity. That's a huge degree going on there. He made himself of no reputation. And Paul is saying, let us have this same mind. That's, that's why he was saying, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The mindset of humility. Because that's what's going to help us to truly, truly follow this commandment. Humbling ourselves and saying, Lord, I submit to you. Your word have I hid in my heart, that I may not sin against you. Oh, how I love your law. They are my meditation day and night. I love you with everything that I've got. I'm devoted to you, and I want to obey your commandment. I'm not saying we have to, we're perfect as human beings, but we have to have that willingness to want to be. And then it shows in how we deal with other people, treating people with respect, kindness, love. First Corinthians chapter 13, Paul says, if I do all these things and I do not have love, I'm like a clanging symbol. Loving is important here. That's the way to reach people. And so we don't say we love by mouth. We, do, we show our love by actions, patience, long-suffering, kindness. Second Timothy says, gently correct those who oppose the truth. The key word, gently correct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps over time, they will change. If anyone falls amongst you, Restore them with love. Correct them in love. If people are in need around us and we can help, we are in the opportunity or we have the capacity to help, let us do that. That's what Jesus says. In the long run, 
this does a lot more in reaching out to people because people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And that's the point. Love God with all your heart. That's the greatest commandment. And love your neighbor as yourself. I hope this blessed you. I'm going to do more um, studies like this in the future. So uh, please subscribe to the channel and also on Instagram. You could follow me and share the page with as many friends as you can. I'm hoping to see you again in the next episode. God bless you and have a wonderful time. I see my